Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Uh, big number 35 this week, but the most important question before we get any further into this, Ian, how's your ass? Uh, better than it was. I've been applying cream. I had a feeling that you might bring this up. So uh, for, our, for our listeners, to give them a quick rundown, I had a uh, colonoscopy uh, this week. Um, procedure itself wasn't really too bad. Um, the laxatives that they give you before you do it are one of the most brutal things that I've ever done in my whole life. So I had to take two sachets, one at six o'clock in the evening, one at half past nine. You've been there. You were uh, explaining to me how terrible it would be. About half nine, I'm saying to you, don't know what the problem is. Ain't no, no problem. Nothing. Next minute, I'm 40, 40 minutes on the toilet, pissing out of my ass. Like, <laughs> like you can't even believe. I, I, I didn't even know a person my size could have <laughs> shit in me. Um, it was insane. So I had about... 10 shits, I would probably hazard a guess. Went to bed, woke up at three in the morning, felt a bit of a rumble, went for a shit. Uh, and I swear it's gravity. I literally wiped, stood up, right, need another shit, bang, another one came out, did the same again, got up, bang, third one came out. Um, I went through two bog rolls. My ass was in absolute tatters when I went to the hospital, so much so that I said to the lady, I was like, look, I'm fucking struggling here. And she gave me some numbing cream where she inserted her finger with some cream in my ass to numb it. And she even said to me, yeah, you look pretty sore. I'll be so, honest, I don't I don't think that was part of the procedure. I think you've just been taken into a dark room. And uh... Uh, it was and, and the worst thing is I've got to go back in four months for another one. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I'm going to, up with those laxatives because they were one of the worst things of my whole life I'm not even gonna lie absolutely savage but what I am definitely gonna do and I jokingly said to you I'm gonna the next time I'm gonna get uh, an extra pack of laxatives and I'm gonna spike your tea at work and watch you go through that trauma whilst we're at work I think I'd just go home there's not, there's not a chance I'd stay at work in those toilets doing that I'd literally rather go home. I'd go into the street before I went into those toilets. Um, but it's like, you, it's like you said, you just you just don't. The moment you think you've stopped and you get up to wipe your ass, you're like, "Oh shit, here it comes again!" And it just sounds just gushing would be a polite way of putting it. It just <laughs> just like an explosion out of your ass. It's insane. So. For anyone listening, if you can ever avoid a colonoscopy, don't do it. Don't do it. I think that the best thing is, can you imagine any other podcast starting the first three minutes, literally just talking about how your ass is sore and you've been shitting yourself sideways for the last day? I know our listeners are very, uh, you know, acutely aware of our health and like to know how, how we're doing. So, uh, and we often like to start these now with a new, you know, sort of different slant before we move into the major topics of the uh, of what we do. So uh, I'm sure everybody will be rolling in stitches laughing that I've been shitting myself inside out for a, a day or so. But um, fine, thank you now. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to say I, a fine and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right now would have sufficed rather than going into the graphic detail that we got. But 
by the by, it's too late now. We've got to keep going. Um, it's Grand National today. Weird. Snuck off us, didn't it? I didn't, yeah, know, it I really has. Didn't, didn't even realise until I looked at something yesterday at work. I thought, fucking hell, it's, um, it, it seems to usually they're a bit of press about it. And, um, you know, it's the biggest horse race of the season, really, um, that uh, everyone likes to have a little... Uh, each way, two pound, five pound, five, whatever they, but they, they do. Um, so I thought I said to you this morning as a, as a little bit of a, an additional uh, uh, part of the podcast, let's um, have a little rundown of uh, what we've, a little bit of, I should say I've done 10 minutes of research here. So certainly anyone should not be taking my tips at particularly face value, but um We've both got uh, a few little horses that have come up that's worth uh, a little mention. If anyone does uh, listen to this before the uh, quarter past five, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you look at my tips in the previous podcasts and clearly I get everything spot on. So if you want to make some money this weekend, you want to follow these tips that I've got, clearly. The best thing to do is I think there's something usually like 20 runners. So if you tip 18 and people then just choose the other two, they'll probably win, I would have thought. Oh, undoubtedly, literally. I think I'll, I will pick just for our listeners every other horse, and I can guarantee you it'll be a horse that hasn't even been announced. If I picked them all, it would be some like, I don't know, first novice runner, and it would still win if I didn't back it. So, I mean, uh, I, just... I, I always have a bet. I think you, you have to, it's, 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 it's part of the rules, isn't it? You've got to have a little flutter, and uh, there's nothing ever, though, more crushing than. You read, you do a bit of research. I usually do more research than I've done today. To be fair, I quite like having a, a, a little look, and uh, you find yourself something that looks pretty good, falls at the first fucking fence and fucking breaks its leg, and it gets shot. So uh, that's often my experience with um, the, uh, the the national. But um, it's it's funny you should mention that because this national might be a little bit different from others. So there's um. A new story developing this morning about uh, an activist group called Animal Rising. I, I, I read it. They're this. apparently yeah. storm the uh, race course. I, I actually read it this morning during my research. And I, Fuck off! It's not like <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm 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 all for like I'm not against animal cruelty in any way. You know, Kurt Zoomers. You, you're not up. against animal cruelty. Or you know, I am against. <laughs> I'm not, you know, bullfighting. I've been to bullfighting. That's brutal. But this is fucking horse racing, man. I mean, I think that's bullshit that they're getting a bit carried away in this ridiculous world that we live in these days that they're going to do that. But I would imagine they're going to have a lot of security and hopefully that those cunts get rugby tackled and smashed up before they can ruin it for everybody else. Well, I think it's said from what I read that they're planning to uh, scale the fences. They've said that they won't actually go on to the race course if any horses are running or if anything is actually currently happening. It's just to prevent it from taking place. And I think what they were essentially arguing this morning is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and, and if you don't know, that's fine, but there, I think the horse has already died in the festival, the Grand National Festival. I think it was on Thursday, and that becomes the 60th horse to have died at Aintree in the past 23 years, which it it's one of these things, isn't it, where... Again, I'm, I'm absolutely on your side in the sense that this type of disruption doesn't necessarily aid uh, any activists' plight or anything like that. But what it does do is it does sort of get a bit more attention towards what's happening. And 
no one wants horses to die. And I'm sure that the people who are investing a lot of time and money and, you know, to go and watch it and to raise their horses don't want them to die. It's an unfortunate consequence, I think, of horse racing itself. So if you came up with a, a method to reduce those deaths or to reduce uh, the, the potential danger to those horses, then I would be absolutely up for listening to it. I'm not an avid horse race watcher or better or anything like that, but I don't think there is. I, I, I totally agree. And it's funny, I, I was having a chat with the missus this morning and she's a little bit stronger uh, views of it about how unfair it is. And obviously that the, the horses have to be put down if they break a leg. And like, why is that? What What's the case? And I said that, as far as I'm aware, again, I'm no animal expert, that has to be the case. Have you ever seen a fucking horse with a fucking cast on its leg? No. So I think if it breaks its leg, it, it it's inevitable that that sadly has to happen and it's not pleasant. And equally, when that happens, these people have invested millions of pounds in the training and the, the breeding and, and everything else of the horses. The last thing they want to do is kill the horse. So it's it's not like it's something that anybody takes an enjoyment out of or thinks, yeah, do you know what? Fuck it, let's put, put it down just because it's got a broken leg. So my very basic understanding is is that there's no real fix for that if the if that's what happens to the horse. It it, it it's termed lame, I think, and I, I don't think there's a way around it. So well, the, the perfect comparison that you gave was to that of bullfighting. So bullfighting is there for cruelty in all honesty there's no way that that can be perceived as it isn't animal cruelty you've got a very scared animal that you're goading and then you eventually murder and cut pieces off of it and throw it into the crowd and all that sort of stuff that that can only be perceived in one way this is more of a i I use the term lightly because it's like saying darts is a sport but um it's a sport in it and it's for entertainment purposes. And as long as those horses have been raised in the correct manner, they're not being treated poorly and how they're being raised. And I think the most or most people, including the activists themselves would say that it's not as though that they're being um, doing a force to do things that they're not wanting to do. There's videos this morning of the horses that are prancing around and sort of all over the floor because they're really giddy and excited. So it's I mean, not they're treated really... like things, you know, yeah. they're, they're... They're fed well, they're trained well. It's not like they're they're, they're kept in very cruel or um, abhorrent type of uh, stables. You know, they're, 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 as far as I'm aware, again, I'm no expert, but they're, they're treated uh, very well. Um, the funny thing I did wonder, which you clarified because I didn't know this, was I expected, or from what I read, it sounded like they would be like um, jumping the fences and storming it mid-race, which is actually incredibly far more dangerous yeah. than the racing itself because the horses have to swerve someone could get hit the hit horses hit someone they could get injured so that in itself it's i'll tell you what it feels like to me it's the same as those pricks that fucking stick their faces to the fucking pavement that's what that is it's the, it's uh, the equivalent of that in it I, I would i would disagree with that just on the sense that no one likes those guys the 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 cause of extinction rebellion and i think we've already discussed in the previous podcast and how we've gotten to this i don't know but um their cause is admirable and i don't think one person in the world would disagree with them the way that they carried it out was atrocious and they made themselves look like idiots and everybody hated them and everyone then disregarded the cause whereas these i think they're far more 
respectful in their approach. Apparently, again, we'll, we'll see what we today, but apparently they're, they're far more respectful in their approach in doing so. They've spoken to the police, they've spoken to the organisers, and I think it's more, rather than actually being able to stop the race, which I, I don't think is, is going to happen, I think it's more drawing attention to what they're perceiving as animal cruelty and the stats and statistics. And I'm sure they'll have like banners up and, you know, interviews but, but after they, and mean, stuff like that. Again, I'm sure the fact that they've um, announced this is going to happen would probably mean that the organisers are going to bring in uh, more uh, security uh, in that respect. I would have thought that they would be silly knowing that this is allegedly going to happen to, to, to not do that. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if um, you know how, how they how they deal with that. Really, I suppose. I mean, on a, a lighter note, then, do you want to give me your picks? Have you got some specific picks in mind? Yeah. So I've got I've got five. I picked four. So um, from from the 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 two sort of lower favourites that uh, again favourite. I never bet on favourites personally because. It is a lottery, but the two that seem to be popping up from my um, uh, research was Delta Work at nine to one and uh, Ain't That a Shame at ten to one. Um, They were the two. Um, If you fancy in a bit of a longer punt for certainly each way, which is what I tend to, there's Galvin at 22 to one. And uh, one we both seem to come across, which is uh, Long uh, Longhouse Poet at 22 to 1. The one that surprised me on the read uh, I read on the Racing Post that seemed to have pretty good chances and, and they seem to be suggesting look like it had a, a pretty good chance was Gabby's Cross at 66 to 1. So that's a an each way bet all day that one but um i'll definitely be sticking a few quid on that one as well i think i mean i've got same as you in terms of i, I don't bet on loads of these i'm going to lose out regardless i could choose any of these horses and i can tell you it's not going to place um so i've gone same for longhouse poet what odds did you say you had for longhouse poet uh 22 to 1 yeah i've got it on 22 to 1 on bet 365 uh I, this was off the racing post so ah, right, okay. they'll, they'll fluctuate up and down obviously as the money goes on so um they're the type of ones that sometimes there's a sense in betting on it now getting that odds if if money pours in on it then um those odds might well go down but um i'll probably have a little look uh, a little bit later but yeah gabby's cross is the one that i'm going to uh I, I fancy a, a fiver each way on just because uh that comes in at you know places that six places usually get uh most bookies on uh, and you can usually get extended places if you take a slightly lower um, price. So um, that one wouldn't surprise. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's my pick in terms of if you're, you're, you're wanting a bit of a punt, that's the one that I think I'm going to go for. From horse betting expert, Abel. Uh, exactly that. I've gone, um, so I've got that and I've got lifetime ambition. I don't know why. I just, there's nothing in particular about it as far as I'm aware, but it's a 40 to 1 punt. And I really like the idea of that winning. There's something about it, something about that horse. I obviously am very good at betting, very good at predictions. Stick your money on that. You'll be a very, very rich man at the end. I do, we've got, um, so obviously, you know, Nathan, one of my mates who is quite heavy into horses. He actually got shares in a horse, I think, recently, whether it was birthday or what, or 
Christmas or something. Um, but he says he fancies Capadana, which is twenty-two um, to one. What we do, I mean, we'll, we can keep uh, keep up people up to date with socials as well. I've got one of my good mates, Joy. His uh, one of his mates works for bookies. Um, he'll quite often send through tips. Uh, they never fucking win, so um, to, whether I, I listen or not. But I text him um, a few minutes before we started just to say uh, any uh, anything that your uh, your mates sending through as a as a shout as well. So anything sort of pops up different from uh, what we've said, we'll uh, keep it up, people up to date and uh, whack it on the socials. When you say works in a bookies, as in he works in like a betting shop, or is he, he one of these that for, presses the button? Uh, he works for Skybet. Think is so can he press the button that fluctuates the odds and get your mate like i don't know 100 to 1 on man city to win this weekend for like a couple of milliseconds and if he gets on it he gets there no he can't i, think. <laughs> I stay winking uh, no, I, 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 i'm not entirely sure to be honest with you but um he's 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 often uh particularly at these sort of festivals cheltenham uh etc joy will often post on the group you know m- mate said these are the ones to look out for. So he hasn't come back to me as yet. But if anything um, pops up that's uh, outside of the ones we've said, we'll uh, we'll keep people posted on socials. Yeah, and we'll post as um, bets on Twitter in terms of when this podcast goes out, so that we can't be accused of changing his mind last minute. Because uh, who would do that? Who would do that? Well, we, uh, a video recording, surely that someone could just listen back and. Just nah, say, I'd just edit it. But, um... it'll go through it so you'll re-listen to it after the winner and it'll be like oh I think and it'll be a really robotic voice and it'll go winner is the uh, the correct horse should we uh, move on to MMA then yeah we should do um, do you think that it would be worthwhile starting on the bonus segment this week uh, I think we do given the relevance obviously the bonus segment we said from last week was the first fight between Adesanya and Pereira yeah, and for those who aren't regular since this, uh, the Bonner segment is named after the late Stefan Bonner. It's the point of the show in which we review and discuss some of the greatest and most memorable fights in MMA history. We give us a bit of fun homework and we will post the fight to watch on our Twitter page. More often than not, although we've been quite slack recently on it. Um, and as you say, this was Adesanya Pereira number one. Um, I mean, watching it back, um, obviously it didn't happen that long ago, um, but... It surprised me how well Adesanya was doing in, in, in the earlier rounds. Um, displayed uh, wrestling that he, he he's, he's not renowned for, knowing that uh, Poetang has got those, those brutal uh, striking skills. Um, and I thought he did remarkably well, um, to be honest with you, in terms of keeping him off him, keeping his distance. Uh, staying out of the the range of those 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 brutal kicks, and in particular that left hook, um, he was I think by all by all means correct me if I'm wrong because you're quite often up to date with this in terms of the scorecards. I'm pretty sure he was three one up on score all scorecards when it went to the fifth round. Yeah, and then um, that's one of the most impressive things for me for Poetang is that he carries that power into the fifth round that you get a lot of people, even someone like Francis Ngannou, who is renowned for that power, will fade as the fight goes on and they don't carry the same risk of a knockout. And uh, Adesanya just got caught against the fence, didn't look in particular trouble, to be honest with you. I think there was definitely an argument it was a bit of an early stoppage, but 
Poetang just started unloaded on him and um, ref called it off. Um, and we had a new um, uh, middleweight champion. And that obviously leads to UFC 287, which happened uh, last weekend, in which it was the rematch, which technically is the rematch in the sense that it's the second fight in UFC. But as a lot of people have spoken about, and as we spoke about last week, this is also realistically the fourth fight between them both. Yeah, because Poetang beat him twice in glory kickboxing. One knockout, one decision. Uh, the decision, uh, ironically, was also... In fact, all three fights went in a relatively similar manner that Adesanya wasn't completely outgunned in all of them, was doing relatively well. You just cannot sleep on that power of, of, of Pereira. What he brings to the table in terms of that power is just incredible. Um the, the funny thing was, is it was a, a, a very similar, it was a second round knockout for uh, for Adesanya in, in, in this one. But actually, it wasn't a million miles off the finish from the first fight. So Poetang has got him pinned against the cage. He, he's unleashing on him with some, some pretty bad, uh, there's a, a big knee that he landed and, and, and some pretty brutal body shots. Uh, and if I'm honest, I think he just got a little bit slack um, his hands dropped for a bit. He took one big right hand from uh, Adesanya that certainly wobbled him and, and, and sort of knocked him off his stride and put him back a bit. And then bang, second one from Adesanya and he was out cold. So I actually think that he has him hurt here. I think Potan has him, or Pereira has him hurt uh, Adesanya up against the cage. And I think he's done quite a good job. And, and obviously this is why we're so dominant in that division for such a long period of time. And, and he's back at the top now, but he definitely does a very good job in staying in there because I think if he lands a couple more there, Pereira, he's in serious trouble. He's Adesanya. And I think he stays in it just enough. And then his instincts kick in. He hits him with that one, which staggers him. And then all of a sudden fights on its head. It's all over. I actually, I actually think it was a little bit uh, slack, a little bit uh, rash from 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 Pereira that he probably was getting that flashback of what happened in the first fight and thinking, right, I've, this is going the same way. I just keep unloading on him here and, and just left a gap. And certainly one thing with Adesanya is he is an incredibly accurate and precise striker uh, and, and saw that opportunity to, to catch him, wobbled him. Uh, and as soon as he sort of took the wobble, um, it, you know, he was struggling and then bang, that, that second one put him straight out cold. But um, you could see from the the way that Adesanya celebrated, you know, he felt that redemption was probably the, the word that he was looking for and certainly felt that, that uh, you know, that had been coming and he, uh, he clearly enjoyed uh, that knockout as much as uh, I've seen someone enjoy uh, laying someone out. Well, the the arrow celebration is quite cold to then turn around and point out his son in the crowd <laughs> to mimic. <laughs> but I think it's quite him. clever as well because obviously Poetang is is some that, for people that might not know is a is a descendant of a particular Amazonian tribe. Uh, he's a uh, incredible uh, arch uh, archist archeryist. I don't know archer archer. Um, you often see him training. And um, the the sort of slightly clever bit of the celebration was um, Adesanya fired three arrows at him on the floor, which I think was um, one for each of the victories that he got over him from before. But not a big fan of um, 
dissing someone's kid in the crowd. I think I don't know. I, th- I thought it was hilarious. I get the disrespect of it, and in whenever you see these types of celebrations, even though the fight is finished, I'm always surprised that the guy who has been knocked out when he isn't back to his feet sees that on crowd and on big um, screen doesn't think you know what I'm gonna fucking have this guy just going after him you've regardless got a, you, you've, you, again people it's easy to sit back for certain people and judge and say that's out of order what a piece of shit why would you do that you know you've got that adrenaline coursing through your veins you've got the the excitement that all of the emotions that are going on after a fight so when I see those type of things I think in the heat of the moment you have to give someone some um some leeway towards that that it's not like if he was you know walking down you know it was two hours after the fight and then he walks up and starts abusing his kid well then that's clearly bang out of order but in the heat of the moment everything that's happened the rivalry that they've had it it it, it, it's understandable i suppose would be and and i would cut him a little bit more slack than maybe if it was in a, a slightly different situation and it wasn't you know seconds after he's knocked out his biggest rival well, I think they were the one, the most res- disrespectful one I've ever seen. I think it was boxing and I believe it was Plant, but I can't remember who he was fighting and he sparked someone out and then started digging him a grave. So like pretending to shovel the ground and then put the dirt onto him, which is, again, I mean, if we're talking about disrespectful, you, you got the sort of the, the be all and end all there. But to point out someone's kid who had done a pretending to fall over or pretending to be knocked out celebration, how many years before this? Before the UFC, wasn't it? It was uh, the second fight. It was in, in, yeah, uh, in glory. It was in glory. Glory, in yeah. Glory. But uh, to have had that on your mind, that's clearly something that's been stuck in his head for a number of years. Um, so probably a little bit bitter about it. But you yeah, say about we'll that, allow just, it. I don't know if you've seen it. The only other one that springs to mind in terms of disrespect for me, which is quite an infamous one, was um, I can't remember if it was the UFC or if it was another smaller promotion. But a guy um, sparks out somebody, stands on his back, and then does a backflip. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. And then the, the most ironic thing is, he's not the guy out, but he then gets immediately disqualified for doing that. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll, I'll try and find that one maybe and put that on socials as well. But that one is hilarious because he knocks this guy out and then literally stands on his back and does a backflip. And then the ref's like, What the fuck are you doing? Disqualified. So he ended up losing the fight. But, um, yeah, that's quite a funny one. Didn't Paddy the Baddy teabag someone a few, uh, few years back? Don't <laughs> recall that fun. one. I mean, I do, I'm pretty I do sure remember he did. The, the, the infamous. It wasn't kind of... Uh, in, I think it was maybe the second of the trilogy fight between Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. There was a point where they found themselves sort of folded over, if you like, and Randy had... Uh, Chuck sort of bent over and started spanking his ass. <laughs> that, that's another one that, in terms of to go down and be fucking disrespected like that in a UFC fight, that's that's pretty bad. But that's uh, another one that springs to mind in terms of disrespect. Pereira, then, so his next step, he <laughs> has announced that he's going to move up to 205, which we talked about previously. Probably the best move for him. I do kind of feel like a trilogy fight would have been available for him if he wanted it, but he couldn't keep cutting the weight as he were doing it. It was getting quite serious for him, I think. I, I think Adesanya personally was being a bit of a cunt as well in that wouldn't have given him the trilogy. I think he 
he said, and it's done now, as far as he's concerned. I mean, that, that, of course he'd say that, though. Exactly. Of course he would. But for, for me, that would have been, I would have liked to have seen the trilogy, settled it properly. Um, I think we've said that, I mean, he's a massive guy, Poetan, and I think the weight cut is getting to the point where it, it's too much for him. Um, I did a little poll on Twitter just to see what people were thinking about in terms of opponents and, and who would be the obvious one for him to go up. Um, you kind of have got four 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 names for me in terms of sort of stick out, which would be Blahovic, Ankarev, Prohaska, and Hill. I think you can probably put Hill and Prohaska out of that equation, given that Hill's the champ, and I can't see any way he's going to get a shot at the champ straight away. And Prohaska has been promised the next title shot because of the fact that he vacated it. So those those two are out. Uh, Ankalev would be one option, but would be a very, very bad matchup if you ask me for Poetang, given that his, uh, you know, that Dagestani Sambo wrestling. Uh, Blahovic would be the, the, the perhaps the obvious one for me, because I did also see that Blahovic offered up Adesanya for a rematch for his uh, middleweight title. Because, if, again, for people perhaps that don't know, uh, Adesanya was got a bit cocky at one point and went up to try and be a, a champ champ and fought Blahovic for the 205 title and Blahovic barked him out. So um, whether Blahovic now tries to, to follow through on that and go down to fight Adesanya for the rematch, but Blahovic would probably be the one. He's heavy handed. He's going to stand in trade. He he would be the, the obvious candidate for me personally for, for Poetang's first fight at 205. It's not an easy fight, though. I mean, none of them are easy fights to step up. Um, he's still got a, a lot of work to do if he is going to make an impact on the division. Think he can do it? Think he can get anywhere near the title? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that power carries up. Um, I mean, again, maybe they feed him someone lower down the rankings. Again, maybe after that, they they put him against some 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 lower guys to give him a couple of victories, rebuild his confidence. I think it's one of those ones. It, it was a pretty bad knockout. I think he should take some time. To, to, to recover, I think the worst thing you can do after a care like that is is jump straight back in and and look to be fighting in two or three months. He should probably take six eight months off in terms of allowing his his, his brain uh, the concussion side of things to recover. So I don't think it will be uh, particularly quickly that we will see him back in the cage. Uh, and of course, given what we said there, there's a lot of things that might play out within that time. But um, yeah, be it certainly uh, an interesting one to see who they match him up against. I said to you, I think that they're going to play it a little bit safer um, than maybe any of those that you've mentioned. I could see him up against someone like Johnny Walker or Paul Craig as just an introduction fight for it. Um, not necessarily a main event, but certainly on a bigger card and then go from there. But I, I, it feels like would... feeding him to the Wolves a little bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't disagree with you. The one thing I did when I was having a quick look at this of, uh, of who he could fight, one thing that did shock me, uh, and again, I might be wrong here. This is going from memory, and I have had a camera up my ass uh, this week and today <laughs> that I might, might uh, forget. But Paul Craig, I think he's ranked number six at light heavyweight, which shocked. He is number nine. Nine. But I was yeah. like, shocked at how high he was ranked, um, to be honest with you. Johnny Walker would be. Uh, a good fight. Two Brazilians. Johnny Walker had a you know rising star at one point. Very flashy again. Lots of kicks. That's going to be a stand up battle, and he would be another one that would probably be be primed 
to get laid out by Pertang. So that's that's probably a pretty good shout by you there. Um, the bad motherfucker has retired, but he hasn't been the bad motherfucker for quite a number of years, I think. And one of the things I, I don't like to toot my horn, horn um, Ian, but I said last week I didn't know if his desire was there anymore. And I think this has only confirmed it. He has now retired, looked pretty poor. Um, I think essentially time has caught up with him and it's the end of quite an illustrious career and quite a, a likable individual. But more importantly for you, because this is your favourite belt of all time, even though it's a fake belt, what happens to the BMF title? got to take it off him. Not <laughs> You can't retire and stay as the bad motherfucker. I refuse to have that. And Dana can't allow that to me. That has to be, you're not a bad motherfucker anymore. You were a bad motherfucker. Maybe let him keep a version of the belt, but that has to come back out into circulation now personally i know it was a gimmick at the time it it was it was a one-off but it that there feels something very unsatisfactory about having someone retire and get to keep that without it being in circulation i mean you've got i think i'd said to you in terms of if you were then to look well who would deserve a shot at that now gagey would have to be in that for me gagey all day is is has to be classed as a bad motherfucker Poirier, you, you you could throw in there for that as well. There's a there's a, a, a litany of other people that you know would I'm sure Connor would be and if Connor asks for it, Connor will probably get it, uh, knowing how the the UFC panders to him. But yeah, there's something incredibly unsatisfactory for me personally, allowing him just to keep it now that he's retired. Um, I think you're right that Father Time caught up with him. I think he's got a lot of other. Uh, exploits going out uh, outside of the cage these days. He's got his own uh, boxing promotion, Game Bread Boxing, which had an event at the weekend with Roy Jones Jr., who surprisingly lost to uh, Anthony Pettis. Um, and, um, yeah, I just don't think the desire is there. But ultimately, he will always be remembered and no one can ever take away that flying knee finish uh, of Ben Askren. So that that... That for me is is you know in the same way as Dan Henderson when he retired was always renowned for that flying um, you know knockout and 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 bomb drop on and on um, Bisping he'll always be known for that need to Askwin. I think you're obsessed with that belt. I, I just I can't believe who doesn't still... want to be called the baddest <laughs> motherfucker, Matt. It's, it's, it's not a like... real belt. Like I, I don't. It's just a complete not a gimmick. It's like these stupid. Or a Union but, Jack belt that Tyson Fury won when he beat White. It means if nothing. If I won that belt, I'd never fucking take it off. I'd so would you? Why don't you just buy one? one? Like six hundred quid? Because I'm not a muppet, and it's not the real thing. It's not, <laughs> it's not, not the same, real thing. Not, it's not the same. Winning, winning an actual. It's the same as these cunts that would buy a version of the heavyweight title. You're not the heavyweight champion, but if I had that belt, I would sleep in it. You would never get it off of me. I mean, it's still your um, phone background, isn't it? And your WhatsApp picture. Yeah, it has been for however long since they first announced it. But um, yeah, intrigued to see. I think Dana's got to step in to some degree and say, look, uh, you know, Jorge, you deserved it. You did it at the time, but sorry, man. Doesn't, don't get to keep it now. Some other shockers. Oh, well, surprises, not necessarily shockers on the rest of the card. Um, obviously, Raul Rosas Jr., 
um, end up losing. Which uh, young kids again get fed fed to the wolves very quickly. It's not not surprising. I mean, is he is he eighteen yet? Seventeen, eighteen. He's I think he's eighteen. Plenty, plenty of time to to uh, recover uh, and, and and learn his game. And he's one. He's going to be one of those guys that you're going to see build and improve after every single fight. Uh, one of the, the the real shocks for me, to be honest, was uh, Rob Rob Font beating Yanez. Yeah, because uh, Yanez is is incredibly underrated and perhaps is the best boxer in that division. He could easily easily be a professional boxer. So that was actually uh, a fantastic performance from Rob Font to to do a number on on Yanez. And um, I see that he has now called out Petri Yan. Mm. Um, for uh, his next fight, but which is an interesting one because Petri Yan is on a bit of a, a losing streak at the moment, and he? he seems to be getting some decisions against him, admittedly, like the one with O'Malley. But he, he seems to be in a bit of a bad stint. He's one of those ones for me that I think he's certain fighters you lose something. There's certain wars that you go into and you don't come out the same. And some of those fights with Sterling in particular um, and uh, O'Malley. I just think I've t- taken something away from him. His, his chin's not quite there. He's maybe mentally affected by those victories. He's he, he's not what he was when he first came into the UFC. So uh, if, if if Font puts on a, a performance like he did against Yanez, I would be backing him to beat Yan myself. Any other uh, bits and pieces about 287? Uh, Kevin Holland. Uh, good result for Kevin Holland, I thought. Slightly controversial fight uh, result. But uh, what I, I, as you know, when we speak often, I'm a bit, I, I like people learning and improving on things that they shouldn't have done before. Kevin Holland got absolutely slammed when he decided to stand and have a kickboxing match with Stephen Thompson, who was a 61 0 undefeated kickboxer, and got looked to make a bit of a mug. So I was very impressed with the adjustments Holland made uh, and took that victory. And it was good to see that whether it's himself, whether it's his camp, whether whoever, you know, surround him have got to him and said, look, you need to be a little bit smarter here. You know, you're an incredibly talented wrestler. You've got a a high level uh, black belt at jiu-jitsu. Use it. Don't just stand and bang for the crowd. And I think it's very easy sometimes for guys to get carried away when... People are fucking chanting your name and Smith, 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 and you want to fucking stand there and trade, and you get sucked into it. So um... no one has ever chanted my name. Just to point out that <laughs> yeah, no one has ever and will ever. But um, yeah, I was impressed with Holland as well. I thought he made good adjustments, uh, and I was impressed to see that. So that would be the uh, final point for me from two eight seven. We've got a fight night this weekend, and the the majority of the card is as you would expect from a fight night. It's wank. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be a bit, bit more courteous about it, but um, yeah, I can't disagree. There is a big fight in the main event, though, and this is uh, Max Holloway and Arnold Allen. And I think me and you have quite a difference of opinion on who's going to win this. Yeah, we do. I mean, um, it's it's a big for Holland, number two in the featherweight division. Arnold, uh, number four. Obviously, Arnold's an English guy, so back in our, you know, want to back our, our uh, hometown uh, fighter there. But I think Holloway can easily get slept on and could probably lay claim to being the greatest featherweight ever. 
Um, I mean, when you look at who he's beat, he's beat Yair, uh, Yair Rodriguez, who's obviously got the next title fight uh, against, I forget who's got the current title, so please forgive me, um, Volkanovski. Um, so, How could you forget that? But Rodriguez is there. He's beat Calvin Katar. He's beat Frankie Edgar. He's beat Brian Ortega when uh, uh, Ortega was a killer. He's built Aldo twice. And Aldo, again, has got to be in the top three ever for, for featherweight uh, contenders. Uh, he beat Charles Oliveira, who was obviously the uh, lightweight champ when he was fighting at 145. And he's beat Club Swanson. So when you look at that, that body of work from Holloway, that, that's incredible. Um, Arnold is, is certainly a rising prospect. He has be, also beaten Calvin Catter, who is, is, is that gatekeeper uh, in terms of, of featherweight. He's beat Dan Hooker and he beat a fading Gilbert Melendez. Bar from that, he hasn't really had anywhere near the calibre of fights that Holloway has. So um, I think Holloway, in the same way that we were just talking there, is starting to lose something. He's been in so many wars. He will stand and bang. He will not shy away from a from a firefight, uh, and whether he is the same guy, great chance for for Arnold to to rise his stock. But I'm 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 going with 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 Holloway. Well, Alan's got the is it the fourth longest win streak um, in the UFC at the moment among active fighters. I think he's is it ten successive fights since um, 2015, maybe. I, think I mean, it joined. is, but just go back to the the names on those lists compared to the the, the body of work of, of Holloway. So again, not you only beat what's been put in front of you. No, no, very true. And again, they have, they have been building him slowly. And I do remember he has had a couple of big fights cancelled against bigger opponents where they've become injured, uh, and he's missed out the chance for, to to have those. So it'll be an interesting one to see. Uh, I'll be honest, not really another fight that I'm interested in on, on that fight card. I'll be watching that fight, but no one else really um, piqued my interest, to be honest with you. Well, Alan came out and said that he used to watch Dragon Ball Z when he was younger, so he is my guy. Um, he also said that he's, he used to be massively into wrestling and that his favourite wrestler was Stone Cold Steve Austin. So if he walks in and still called Stunners, um, Max Holloway, he would have the respect from me for a lifetime, and I know obviously that's all that matters to these fighters is my respect. So, uh, of course it is, but yeah, no, that that would be a good one. Um, quick uh, final note, unless you've got any other bits on MMA, I've got one was uh, very disappointing uh, news this week to do with our our boy Leon Edwards. So it was obviously looking uh, that Edwards was due to be fighting in July, and Dana had mentioned putting that back in London so that we could. Uh, perhaps get to go to see that again against um, Colby. But uh, it looks like Edwards has shut that down and said that he won't now be fighting until October. Uh, and he's looking at Abu Dhabi for some reason. I'm, I'm, doesn't make a lot of sense, that one, to me. When you could fight in your, your, your home country, you could fill a, an arena with everybody chanting for your name. Uh, fighting in somewhere like Abu Dhabi is not going to have any impact on your money. It's not like he's going to be paid more money for fighting in Abu Dhabi than he would be paid uh, pay for for fighting in England. So that was a... Uh, is he not? I, I thought that, that w- there'd be far more money in Abu Dhabi. Is there not more sponsorships and etc.? No, 
because uh, sponsorships now are, uh, you can only get sponsored by certain people in terms of the UFC. They're very tight on sponsorship. You get your contract, so you get your money in terms of your show money, you win money. So it would have zero impact in terms of what you would get paid. Um, it just seemed a strange decision for me, unless there's something that I'm, I'm missing on that one. But Did he uh, not give a reason in the interview that he did that it was they weren't willing to fight in July in um, England? Or... No, just... Just uh, I, 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 the only thing I can think of uh, in my cynical and sort of conspiratorial view is he clearly doesn't want to fight Colby, does he? He says Colby's not uh, deserving. He doesn't want to fight Colby. I don't know if he maybe thinks that by pushing the date back and being a little bit more difficult like that, that that might mean Colby says, fuck it, I'll fight someone else and, and, and you get someone else for, for Edwards. But it didn't seem to make any real obvious um any any obvious uh, sense to me why that would be happening do you think he's ducking colby or is it just that he doesn't feel he deserves so obviously two different things there is it that he doesn't feel that he should get the title shot or is it that he doesn't want to fight him because he's worried about the outcome uh, I th- I'd go 50-50 i think that's a good shout i think colby's a bad matchup for him he's a, he's a wrestler of the Usman style, uh, very uh, aggressive and laying prey on you. But we've seen Edwards deal with 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 Usman twice, so I'm not so sure that would be the case. Uh, I just think he strongly dislikes Colby and really doesn't feel that he deserves uh, that fight. And I also think he's one where, not being too harsh on Leon here, but some of the UFC champions get a little bit big for their boots that when they become the champions, they start to think that, in a maybe a Connor-esque way, I get to pick who the fuck I want to fight. It doesn't work like that. Dana picks who you want to fight, unless you're Connor. So um, I, I think that's a good point that you make, but and I would say it's probably about 50-50. I've got to talk about Unai Emery, because he has absolutely transformed Villa. He, uh, he came in, and people were dismissive of him because of his stint in Arsenal, and he was quite seriously insulted I think they used to say good evening um whenever he was on TV and he got a load of slack as usually happens with Arsenal fans and if you don't succeed at Arsenal you're going to get slack uh, but the job that he's doing at Aston Villa at the moment is absolutely outstanding oh incredible and as I said I think the last it may have changed from because there may have been another game since then but then when they were looking I remember the the last five four matches you had um Arsenal, this this would have been before the Liverpool match, which we'll come on to, but Arsenal had five out of five, 15 points. Villa and City both had 13. So he is doing a fantastic job, which is even more impressive, given that I don't think he's actually even added to the squad that Stevie G was massively underperforming with. Um, he, he, he's got Ollie Watkins, who, you know, would be nothing more than, I would say, a relatively average Premier League striker, banging the goals in and, and, and looking like a a real goal scorer. Uh, he's turned Tyrone Mings into a, a, a far more solid looking centre-back. Um, he's he's working wonders. And I think if he, if he gets a, a full summer, he gets some backing and, and, and some money to spend in the summer. Um, Villa could be one to watch for next year. Really impressive what he's doing. They're due to play in the early kickoff today. And as we've Newcastle. already established. Yeah. Um, and that's quite a big game. And it's weird to say at this time of the season, both of those teams are in the uh, European places. They are massive 
underdogs as well. I had a quick look at this before we were to, uh, two to one or e evens for Newcastle, just a shade under four to one for Villa at home. So I'll tell you what, there might be, uh, again, if there's, uh, um, you know, a little bit of money to be put on uh, someone there, there's some, that, that might, might be a sensible bet on Villa the way they're playing at the moment. Do you see them making Europe? Uh, probably more so than Liverpool at the moment, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've, uh, they've, they've, just, they've just hit a groove at the right time, really. I think they've just, um, you know, they seem to be playing well. He's galvanised the squad. He's got them playing in a, a way that he wants. Uh, and, uh, you know, them and Brighton are those uh, dark horses. I, I don't think Champions League, I would say, is out of reach. But certainly for um the Europa and the conference, I would be certainly back in Villa at the moment to make one of those places, yeah. I was just gonna ask you who you've got this weekend and we'll talk about who you had last weekend as well. And then I realised and now I'm sad again because I think it'll be a a nice confidence booster for you uh on Monday. But we'll we'll get into that. Um Arsenal game. So I watched this in the pub and I was messaging you in the hope that you wouldn't be able to pull off a victory because of what happened with Leeds and then I'd get it rubbed in my face. Um, I thought that you were pretty poor for the first half and then after that, I thought you were by far the better team. Um, not 100% disagree, but for 40 minutes, we were, we were by far the worst team. They were all over us and very, very poor. Trent exposed time and time again. It's getting beyond the joke and I'm at the point now where he's got to go. I think we need a new right back. I think he needs to fuck off. Um, we got the goal back just before uh, half-time and uh, we suddenly started to grow into the game. Um, I thought we had considerably more um, possession and usage of that possession once that we grew into that. I mean, Mo, two horrendous penalties in a row now. He's got to be taken off uh, penalty duty and you could argue, I know it's not always the same and you made this point to me, but if he'd scored, we would have won. I potentially. Um, but then for everything that we can say about Trent, he obviously then produced that magical assist to get the, the late equaliser to take it to two all. Uh, and um, that was probably a fair result, to be fair. I think I'd be probably being slightly overbiased if I thought we deserved to win. Certainly didn't think we deserved to lose. Uh, I felt we were gut I was gutted about obviously Mo missing the penalty and I think that would have made a a, a big difference. Um, but it just in, Arsenal might have blown the title now, but it just, just again exposed Trent for me just how appalling a defender he is. And we've got to get a new right back. I mean, we've got Calvin Ramsey who's highly rated and sadly been out injured for all of the season. Um, one for me that I'd certainly be looking at because I understand that uh, Bayern aren't going to take up the option is I'd buy fucking Canelo from um, Man City. Cancelo. Cancelo. That's who I'd I take. Say, I, I wouldn't be putting Canelo at right back. I'll just end up um, knocking someone out. Can, uh, yeah, uh, take, it, take him all day uh, considering what he does and that the defensive options that he gives you compared to, uh, to Trent. But I think Trent's time is... It, it's just it's just become a joke. Uh, really, is really. it is it not more magnified by how poor you're doing this season as a team, and it's not necessarily that his performances are atrocious, and it's just that he's playing pretty averagely, but everyone else is also playing poorly. 
So it, it just makes it 10 times worse for him. Or is it that you, you genuinely believe he's done? No, no, no. I mean, I think, you know, uh, Virgil looks a shadow of his former self. I thought Virgil was poor at the weekend. I thought Canate had a really good game, actually, for, for, for a change. Canate was, was, was our best defender against Arsenal. Um, as you say, uh, that Virgil is not giving him the help and assist down that side that perhaps he used to and the backup that he should. But the, the thing with Trent is at least you could get, you could almost make an argument that he was worth having in the team when he's getting you 15 assists a season and three or four goals from free kicks. I think he's got like two assists this season and one goal against Rangers in the Champions League. So he's not even providing you with that attacking outlet that justified him putting in the team. So for me, his time is... It's it's harsh and obviously it's gutting because he's a local lad. You you, you want that, but unless there's some kind of significant, I, I, I think the other thing, if I'm being completely honest, is, is it doesn't help not having any competition. He knows that he's going to get into that team every game because he knows he hasn't got to look over his shoulder with someone who might be trying to get in. So I, I'm really interested to see Ramsey coming back with a full season because I understand when he was at Aberdeen, he gave a Trent esque element going forward he took corners he was very good with 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 an outlet and and and, and assists and crosses but he could actually defend so I, I i'm really interested if we don't go out and buy a new right back what ramsey can bring and see if he maybe is something that can up trent's game in terms of giving him some competition and someone that could possibly be you know looking over his shoulder to take his spot that that, that could also help well, look, Ian, you're a friend, and because you're a friend, I am more than willing to give you our right back, and we will take Trent off your hands. Um, if you want to put Luke Aylin into your team, I'm sure that he would do a fantastic job for you. The irony being is Aylin might be the only worse right back in the league than Trent. <laughs> I mean, that guy is a... How many times do I watch the Leeds match recently and text you and just like, what the fuck? Is he doing? You bought Rasmus um, Christensen, who I appreciate is more of a Trent in terms of provides you of a more of a, an attacking influence, maybe not quite as solid defensively. How Alien is keep getting in? He is absolutely appalling, and he's actually changed my mind over the last three games. That I now change my mind and say he's the biggest dog shit player in the Premier League over Jack Harrison. I've just uh, he's getting worse genuinely is getting worse. The, the amount of poor performances putting in uh, is extremely worrying. So normally he would be, oh, I've had a really bit of a bad game here. Next two games are fine. Bad game, next two games are fine. This time he's just been atrocious. He's been really, really poor consistently for about four or five games and how he hasn't been dropped, I, I don't know. I, I completely agree with you. I, I would have put in Christensen by now or I would try someone else. Uh, the irony is that a lot of Leeds fans think that our best right back is currently at Luton. So Cody Drama, who's out on loan. There was a, an article that came out this week that he isn't looking to stay at Leeds. His agent isn't interested in staying at Leeds. He's not interested in staying at Leeds. So I don't know what's happened there. Um, even with a new manager, you would think that he would come in and want to prove himself, especially when he's currently a tied to a Premier League team. But yeah, I, I don't know. And if Leeds do stay up, that's definitely one of the Two or three positions that Leeds need to take a look at in the summer, ironically. So we're both after a right back. We might end up getting Cancelo. You can get someone else. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's needs something that needs to be looked at, um, uh, particularly for you. And as you say, there's there's, there's clearly some issue with 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 uh, drama that um, you know he's fallen out of favour. You thought that he might then be back in favour, perhaps. Um, you know, to do with um, uh, you know the, the fact that the manager had changed. Um, you know, uh, but and he, he seems to be doing particularly well at Luton, who are flying considering what a dog shit team that they've got. But um, yeah, I, I, I would certainly be interested in him getting an opportunity, uh, given the problems you've got with Aylin. And I think Aylin's just another one of those where you've just got to sometimes just say. Look, he's a championship player. He's, he's, he's getting exposed over and over again. He's he's not got the quality you need when you're in a slightly struggling team like that. Um, and for me, his time has come. It's got to be, there's got to be a change. I don't want to spend too long talking about it because, to be frank, I can't be asked. But what did you think of the um, performance? leads at the weekend. Couldn't believe it. I mean, I'll be honest, the, the irony is I didn't actually watch the second half, so I watched the first half and I thought you were pretty good. Obviously, one nil up. I'd said to you, I felt you would be rel- win 2-1 relatively comfortably. I felt that would be the one that then would put you relatively safe, maybe one or two more wins and you've got Leicester and Bournemouth potentially to do that too. Uh, and then uh, I can't remember what uh, I was doing. I think I went down the pub with the missus Next thing I see, some some things popping through, two one, three one, four one, and I'm just like, what the fuck? How you managed to possibly throw that away? I mean, I'm, obviously you were there, so you 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 tell me. Um, I was only there for a certain amount of time before I left early. It's the earliest that um I have left a football game in quite a considerable amount of time. I think when the fourth goal went in, I just stood up. I just walked off. I thought, no, I'm not wasting my time here. And people staring at you and complaining. And I saw someone on Twitter about, if you can't support your team when they're losing, you shouldn't support them when they're winning. I'm like, fuck off. I'm spending 750, 800 quid a year. I'm not sitting here to watch nonsense when I could be at home having a, a drink and up going out into Pontiac instead. But um, yeah, it was just awful. I, I don't, I cannot fathom. And I left the stadium not angry not pissed off just sort of bewildered that they, they were so good and so comfortable in the first half it could have been two three nil um there was a sitter that Sinistera missed which is unlike Sinistera there were a few big chances that Bamford missed which is very much like Bamford and then they get a, a really easy free kick and silly foul to give away and, and they score from it at the end of the first half and you start to think uh, surely that's not going to affect anything too much because they were pretty poor in the half. Soon as second half starts, they score a second, they get a third, and you just like they're just all over us. Um, Elise and Eze look really good. You did a Real Madrid, didn't you? Just absolutely yeah. crumbled. But um, yeah, I heard Elise was good. I think a lot of people would be scrambling around uh, to, to, to stump up some money for him in the summer. Um, the one that did make me laugh is I saw Arsenal were linked with him. And they were linked with him to be back up to Saka. I oh. thought to myself, fuck you, man. If he's going to 40 million and then have a player that good, who seems that good, needs game time to improve, to be back up to someone. But yeah, he, he he's destined for a big future release. I really liked him. When Liverpool played him, he was probably the best player on the park. When Liverpool played Palace as well, really, really like the look of him. Not entirely sure, if I'm honest with you, his best position. Uh, I think if you put him out wide, he's got a fantastic delivery and a really good cross. 
but I still think for me he's more of a a, 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 a central um, all action type midfielder, like a, yeah. a poor man, a poor man's Bellingham, if you like. Um, but I'm not entirely sure where that best position would be. But I would be shocked if he's still at Palace next year. It's it's frustrating seeing people like him doing so well. Um, nothing against him or anything like that, but seeing uh, Elise, Eze and uh, Bowen is another one. All three who Leeds could have signed for a quite a respectable price and turned it down. Um, a little bit like we did with Haaland, because we're, we're very clever, clearly, with his money. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it makes it even more anxiety-filled for the rest of the season when we could have had Woodhand on safety and now we're back in big, big trouble with a game against yourself on Monday. Um, before we move on to the Champions League, do you want to give us a prediction for the Leeds-Liverpool game just so I can cry myself to sleep well, I mean, if it happens? We, that, you know, we pulled a little bit of form out of the bag. Um, uh, I'd be shocked if you play as badly as you did uh, at that match. As much as I would like to say it, I would not be surprised if it was a two-all draw. I'll take it. I'll take it now. Yes, please. That's a, a big point for us. And now that you've said it, it's got to happen. I'm going to predict a Liverpool win because I always get my predictions spot on. Hopefully, um, this is another example of me getting it wrong. Uh, Champions League, City look like they're cruising towards winning it. I don't, I don't see any one stopping them, you, to be honest. You seem to have changed the tune a little bit there, given uh, me saying uh, I thought City were the uh, the clear favourites and the ones that would be winning it. You didn't seem to uh, agree too much with me earlier uh, in the week about that one. Uh, I, I just... City have this tendency in the Champions League to just bottle it, to get to a certain stage, as they've done in recent years, where they look like they're unbeatable. And all of a sudden, they have that one-off game, and it just so happens that one-off game gets them knocked out. They looked like they were having an off game against Munich, but they battered them. <laughs> they weren't even close in the end. And so much so that players ended up fighting, um, apparently. They did, and it's funny I mentioned that. So, was, uh, I mean, again, talk about Sane and Mane. Uh, Mane ended up apparently giving punching him and giving him a bust lip. Uh, they've suspended him and uh, given him a big fine. If they want to sell him back to us, I will fucking snap their hand off. So, Mane, if um, you're a little bit unhappy in Munich and you want to come back to Liverpool, uh, our door is more than open for you. I don't think he'll want to. I'll be honest, there's something about your team at the moment doesn't scream Mane coming back and transforming it, do you think? Uh, no, <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that they couldn't at least try, I suppose. But yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree with you. I can't imagine that he would uh, be uh, desperate to uh, to come back, given the way that we are playing at the moment. But um Surprising because the, the the thing that surprised me more out of that is he, he he's not really that type of player, you know he's not normally a a, a bit of a, a a gobshite like that that the type of person that would potentially be um, you know sparking people out. So um, I'd be interested to know a bit more of the context and exactly what was said that led to that, uh, unless it was just a pure disappointment, uh, d- d- disagreement on how poorly um, you know. That they were playing, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd definitely be interested to know what was behind um, that. Well, it doesn't look like we're getting the all English semi final, does it? It looks like it's going to be a pretty comfortable second leg for Madrid 
Um, Chelsea, really poor, looked like a Frank Lampard team, funnily enough. Ironic, yeah. And uh, I think the fact if anyone's remotely surprised that that's the case, then they're living in a fucking dream world. I don't know what <laughs> anyone thought would happen. I, and I'll be honest with you, I thought that um, it, if you'd asked me before the game what would have happened, I probably would have said that they would have got done considerably more than they actually did um, by Real because of uh, Lampard. So um, I 2-0 is not the worst thing in the world. you being credit where credit's due, there is still possibly a chance that they could um, turn that round at the bridge. I think that, you know, there's uh, zero chance of that happening. But uh, again, stranger things have happened in football. Might be the worst sentence that you said on this podcast. There is still a chance, but I think there's zero chance. Um, yeah, they've got a man sent off as well. I think Chilwell got sent off for a really silly Red card. Um, he had so oh, much Vinicus, to do. Though, I mean, Vinicus is is got to be one of the top three players in the world at the moment. I mean, the guys, yeah, un- unplayable on his day. Dribbling skills, finishing has knack of being in the right place at the right time to finish. Um, Going to easily be one of the. You know, he 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 probably for me would be challenging. If you had to say the best three players in the world at the moment, Mbappe, Haaland, Vinicus, that would be the three for me. He is very, very good, and I think he's getting comfortably better as well, which is a little bit worrying because um, every time I see him, he seems to put in the sort of 9 out of 10 performances. Um, but yeah, it was just comfortable for him. Uh, the, the other thing, just to keep your eye on, and not that much attention has been given to it, unfortunately, it looks like we're heading for a Milan derby in the, the semi-finals as it stands. Uh, AC pulling out a bit of a shock victory against Napoli uh, away from home, and then Inter beating Benfica. Both were shocks, actually. I mean, Benfica are a very, very decent team at home. I, I, I definitely thought that they would do uh, Inter, uh, even if they took a gut, you know, one or two goal lead and Inter might reverse that. That surprised me. Um, I'm not so sure I'd be, uh, necessarily agree with you with AC because they are seem to be performing well at the moment, but they always have that fragility. And they have already come out, Napoli, and said that Osman will be back for the second leg, which is a complete game changer for me. So, Absolutely. Uh, that 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 one's that one's far more in the balance probably. I think Benfica go into the San Siro is uh, is is a big ask. Whereas um, I would not be surprised when you've got Cravadonna and Osman back. How fit Osman will be is 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 a different matter. But he makes all the difference to that team. So um, I'm not quite sure. I would agree that that one is quite as done and dust as it might look as yet. Do we think that regardless of that side of the ties, it's essentially going to be, um, as it stands, whoever wins out of Madrid and City is going to win the thing, the whole thing? Agreed. I, th- I, th- I think City's to lose. You're right, City always do have a clangor in them. Madrid are more of a consistent team and can do to anybody what they did to Liverpool and, and, and things like that. But as long as City don't do one of those games where they just fall apart, Haaland... First English player to hit 45 goals in a season. It's going to smash past 50. You know, I don't think he'll get 60, but he's going to probably get somewhere in the mid-50s. They can keep him fit. Uh, and, um, you know, that 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 would be the one of those kind of uh, points that you'd have to keep an eye on. What suddenly happened if they lost, like they lost Haaland? Alvarez is looking at a, a more than adequate replacement at the moment and, and doing really well. But Haaland makes all that difference. If they can keep Haaland fit, um, I think it's cities to lose. 
got some boxing this weekend, some heavyweight boxing. Um, I'm sure you're very, very excited to see the Juggernaut versus Big Bang. Not really. Not a big fan. <laughs> Not a big fan of Joyce. I think he's overrated. I think he's just a big lump that can take a punch. I think when he fights somebody in that upper echelon of the, the top four that we talked about in previous podcasts, he's probably going to get sparked out. Um, you know, undefeated and, you know, decent record in terms of 15 wins out of uh, 15 and zero, 14 KOs. Uh, didn't know Zhang's uh, nickname until you told me yesterday, which I've got a love of. Big Bang Zhang. Do like that. And he's got a pretty impressive record of 24-1-1. and um, predictions for you, from you. I mean, I see Joyce doing it myself. Yeah, but I don't want him to. I, don't... Decision, I don't think I'll knock him out because I mean he's a fucking unit. That Zhang, and he? he's he's the modern day value ev in terms <laughs> of just being a absolutely huge specimen uh, and, and can take a lot of punishment. But I think um, remind me where it is. Is it in England? It is, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's in the... Uh, oh, God. Is it the Copper Box? Um, in that case, then Joyce will win, no matter what happens. We know the home advantage. We've got if it goes to decision, yeah. decision. Um, Zhang, as you say, I don't think he's been knocked out before, can take some punishment. He hasn't, yeah. Uh, he he uh, only had that one loss against uh, Hergovic. Uh, which... Hergovic. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a loss. That was really controversial for me. I, I still can't quite understand that, but it is what it is. No, not, don't get me wrong again. I'll, I'll probably end up watching it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I always say this and sit there and say, no, nah, I'm not going to watch it. But um, I probably will. But it definitely doesn't get the, the blood flowing like a lot of the, the heavyweight fights. I think Joyce would say we'll probably get the job done, but not in a particularly impressive fashion. Um, and um, Joyce AJ would be my personal guess at probably the next match for Joyce after that. Mm, potentially. I think you'll see, obviously, why AJ seems to be that next big one for him. Uh, that would be in the summer, so you'd have to look at Joyce not fighting until back end of the year. Uh, maybe, because it is in April, isn't it? So we'll see. Um, if that doesn't get your blood pumping... Before we finish this week's episode. Fuck off, because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I knew you'd have to fucking bring it up. I've got on here, I knew before we leave, you'd have to fucking, you wouldn't be able to fucking go without saying about that fucking cunt, can you? Go on. So. <laughs> Jake Paul Diaz. Yeah, you, you say it, because clearly you're far more excited than I am. So I'm, I'm not excited. I'm not done. It's an, I'm not, I'm not even getting involved. I got, Pissed off with myself that I got sucked into the Tommy Fury, uh, Jake Paul nonsense before. He fights a professional boxer. I know we have our own differing opinions on whether or not uh, Tommy Fury is really a professional boxer, but he is a professional boxer. He might not be a very good one, but he is a professional boxer. He's now fighting a former retired MMA fighter at 15 pounds heavier than he's ever fought before. So it's like, oh, I've fought someone who can actually, I think I can beat, and I've lost and got schooled. Let's go back to fighting uh, MMA, reti- retired MMA fighters. So this one for me, completely pissed off with it. I think it's a bad matchup for Diaz purely on the size. 
what I'd like to see is Diaz get seriously juiced up like Paul does and fucking put on some serious weight to, to see what he can do. Diaz is a volume puncher, not a knockout artist. He could possibly take a decision by, by and it, you know, his boxing is one of his highest skills, but it's, it's a backward step for Paul. Uh, I'm sure it will still do loads of money and the rest of it, but I'm, I'm done with this bullshit now. This is this this one for me was just nonsense, absolute nonsense. You literally can't sit still. I can see the excitement on your face. I bet the you rage. have got this in you. <laughs> re- I knew you were going to say it as well. I, I, I was waiting for you to poke the bear and say about it, but um, no, I, I, I just I just don't see the point. I mean, again, people are making money. Diaz deserves his big payday. He didn't get paid a lot in the UFC. I'm I'm, I'm happy for him. In that respect, I don't want to see him get knocked out by a fat, juiced-up YouTuber. Not only is he going to knock him out, he's going to stand above his lifeless body in the ring and hold the BMF title that he's taken from Masvidal and taken from Diaz. There is only one BMF, and it's Jake Um, Paul. So, yeah, August, is that right? Is that when it's been scheduled? Uh, I think it's earlier than that. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, did see it. Not interested. Not even going to watch it this time. As much as I like Diaz, Diaz fan, and uh, I always get suckered into this. But this this time, I'm I'm done with this this fake pretend bullshit that they do. Um, he's Paul's been found out. He fought a not very good professional boxer and lost, and feels like now he's having to scramble back to other people that he feels like he can win. Um, so no, not interested. And. Um, think it's a, a, a apart from the money i don't think it's a very clever decision by diaz if i'm completely honest it is uh it is august 5th you're absolutely spot on in terms of when it is um do you want to know the betting odds gone uh it's got yeah oh, it's american betting odds it's got paul as the overwhelming favorite at minus 275 uh diaz is plus 215 underdog which doesn't surprise me, to be perfectly honest, given um, you know the, the size difference uh, uh, and what we're you know what we just said that um, he's he, he's not a boxer that doesn't particularly um, surprise me um, in that respect. But yeah, it just it's got it's got our hand this <laughs> stuff, and it's just the sad thing is is that until people just take my view and say, no, I'm not interested in this shit. Fuck off back to YouTube and do your silly stunts and talk bullshit with your brother. It's going to keep going on. So It's going to um, get worse. It's going to get significantly worse because you've still got all the stuff it. with KSI. No, I can't, yeah. no, I I can't <laughs> stop it. I just, I can't on my own stop this shit. But if it was up to me, I'd hire a hitman and take Jake Paul out. Uh, he no. doesn't mean that, <laughs> just in case anyone is listening and in case we get incriminated there. Um, that's all for this week. I don't think there's anything else for us to talk about. We'll see if we can get this out very quickly. I'm sure, I mean, even if people are listening to this when it's immediately come out, it's probably going to be in the middle of the uh, Newcastle-Villa game and Villa, I'm sure, will be 2-0 up by now. But um, no, Just about to start, yeah, just uh, just in time for us to get that on and uh, also keep an eye out. On, and just, uh, just to update you all, just as you said it, no tips today from uh, my mate Joy and his mate. So um, that's really helpful. So, what a prick. Uh, yeah, twat. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll keep everybody updated. Uh, good luck for anyone who does have a flutter. I'm sure there'll be some jammy so-and-so that's fucking sick some, stick some stupid amount, like a hundred quid on the winner and 
earns fucking thousands. But good luck to everyone uh, on the national today as well. And it's going to be me that's exactly that type of individual. Um, no, of course it's not because I never get any of these right. But no, that's all this week. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll speak to you next week. Bye.